Hello, everyone. This is Erica Spicer Mason with Becker's Hospital Review. Thanks so much for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast series today. I'm pleased to be joined by a guest today. We have with us Mike O'Neill, the CEO of MedicaSoft. Mike will talk to us today about the path that healthcare organizations can take to be more data driven. So, with that, Mike, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Erica. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, I was wondering if you could just take a moment to tell us a little bit more about yourself and also your role at MedicaSoft. Sure. Yeah, I'm CEO here at MedicaSoft. And actually, I came to MedicaSoft and to healthcare from the pure technology arena. And so what I've enjoyed doing in my tenure here is finding ways to match up technology with how people can use it to improve healthcare. Um, for us, that really boils down to how we handle healthcare data, how we handle things like interoperability, and basically making data useful for, for people in their everyday work in delivering healthcare. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And that key phrase, making data useful, I know that's something that so many organizations are trying to achieve today. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into this discussion. And I want to talk a little bit more about just the concept of being data-driven. This has really become an ethos for today's hospitals and health systems, but a lot of organizations at the same time struggle to make sense of the large amounts of data that they have. So I'm wondering if you can share, in your view, what are the top maybe two or three barriers that you're seeing prevent healthcare organizations from effectively using the data they have? So being data-driven is actually something that we all want to be. We all dream of making solid decisions based on, on good data. Um, what we have found though, is that amassing large amounts of data is really just a start. And there are a couple of real hurdles that, that can get in the way from making it useful. And the first one is often the quality of the data itself. When we are bringing data together to make decisions, usually the tools that we're going to use, whether that's an EHR that a clinician uses or an analytic system that a researcher uh, is going to use, those are depending on data being computable, let's say in some way coded and, and uh, something that a system can operate on. But often what we have is more narrative data text data, the notes that a clinician made during an encounter versus the code that represents the medication they, they prescribed. So often right off the bat, data quality means finding a way to extract that useful information from data that's meant more for people than for computers and, and tools to work on. Once we start down that path, then we can work on things like is that data complete? Is it consistent? Uh, and can we enhance the quality, fill in parts that are incomplete and so forth? But that, that data quality, that's often the first hurdle that people face. Uh, we find that often the second thing that comes up is that you're bringing data together from a lot of different sources. That's part of what being data-driven means. And as soon as you do that, there are some practical concerns that have to be addressed. How do I make sure that data from two different systems is really for the same patient? So patient matching becomes something that you have to pay attention to. Even things that sound simple, 
removing duplicate data uh, are, are actually hard in the real world. So some of these data, uh, data cleansing operations, let's call them, are real hurdles to, to making data really useful. And the, the last thing I'd mention is actually maybe less technology. It can be policy. Uh, you may be able to, to physically or electronically bring data together, but you may not actually have the rights to use it for what you're intending to do. Uh, often data sharing agreements between organizations can restrict what you can use the data for. And we can't forget that a lot of the data we're talking about here really belongs to patients. And so having patient consent or permission to use the data has to be factored in as well. So there, there are policy hurdles that need to be addressed as well. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing up the policy and data sharing agreements challenge because that is definitely one that I don't think is overlooked, but when we're talking about data challenges, um, you know, it does, it, the discussion tends to lean toward the technical, but really there are those privacy concerns and, um, and other areas that you mentioned. So thank you for bringing that to the top of our minds. And I want to go back just to have you share a little bit more about that idea of data that is of high quality, it's complete data, um, in other words, usable <laughs> data. So I'm wondering if you can share what it really looks like when data is usable and it's able to be leveraged effectively. Are there, are there certain metrics, outcomes, or assessments that organizations can actually produce and use that they wouldn't if they had data that was unusable? Yes, definitely. So we tend to look at uh, data usability in two broad categories. One is for care delivery. So you can think of your doctor uh, in an encounter with you actually delivering care and everything that goes around that. In that case, what, what you're looking for is, have we assembled the most complete longitudinal patient record that we can? And what that means is, have we given your clinician the best picture of your overall health and wellness, no matter where that data came from? even if it's not from your doctor, if it's from other doctors that you've seen, other labs and so forth, have we brought all of that together and put it in a way that the clinician can easily view it, understand it, and factor it into the care that they're delivering? So if they can do that, if we're able to do a good job with the data for them, then that affects metrics like quality of care, patient outcomes, it affects things like operational efficiency and the cost of care. You can reduce redundant tests and so forth. So there are some very, very measurable metrics that are impacted if we can do a better job of making the data usable, truly usable for care delivery. The other area we broadly call analytics. And in this case, often what we're talking about is have we brought together uh, different types of data, not just your clinical health record. It may be claims data about the cost of care, maybe social determinants of health, other factors in your life that may affect your care. It can be non-medical, uh, non it can be operational information about the hospital and so on. If we're bringing this data together, uh, a couple of things that we want to make sure that we can do is Make sure it's reliable, that you can count on using it, that 
for starters, that I can even identify what data I have or don't have. These are things that we call generally data governance. Do I know what I have? Do I know where it came from? Do I know I can rely on it? And do I know it's current? These type of things. The other category of, of, of things that we, we look at to make the data usable, you might say our architecture, technology. Have I put it into a schema or a structure that's easy to understand and easy to use? If we can address both of these things, good governance of the data and good architecture of the data, now it can be used for everything from public health surveillance and coming uh, out of the pandemic, we, we all can think of public health uh, metrics that we've seen, population health, hospital operations, research, all of these things can actually use that data in measurable ways if we can address those factors. Thanks so much for sharing that, Mike. And as you're describing all of these areas of healthcare where you know these areas are relying on data or they're at least trying to leverage it in a better way, I'm wondering if you can maybe share if you think there are areas of healthcare or even points of time of care in care delivery where there these teams are particularly prone to data challenges. So maybe that's within the EHR or in certain departments. And taking that a little bit further, do you have any frameworks or best practices that can help organizations in these areas achieve a better infrastructure? Yeah, I think what, what we see is uh, rather than just thinking about whether uh, an individual department is challenged in, in their area, what tends to happen is each department, let's say, um, tends to solve their problems locally uh, and particularly their data problems. So uh, in a hospital, for example, for clinicians, they're going to think about the data that is in their electronic health record system and, and make sure it's usable there. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there, are, there are obvious benefits to doing that. The billing department then is going to optimize how they see claims and cost information so that they can be effective and efficient in billing and so forth. And if each department does that locally, what ends up happening is when it comes time to try to share data, across departments or aggregated, none of those systems were built to do that. So it's not, sometimes we say it's not interoperable. Uh, and this tends to be the, the real data challenge. If each area solves a problem locally, um, they often don't have, you use the word framework, it's, it's really an, an, excellent, an excellent word. There isn't an overall framework that makes it easy for them to get their job done in their department, and then be able to share that data with others who can benefit from using it. So we time, sometimes use the term, instead of framework, enterprise architecture, but at a high level, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, can I decide on things like a common data model so that no matter where the data was created or where it started and so I have a way to describe the data that will make sense to other people who want to use it. Um, to go into a, a, a little bit of, of detail, uh, HL7 Fire gets a lot of discussion in the industry, has for the, the last few years. It's often talked about in terms of interoperability. Uh, it is also a good data model, a good way to, to represent data from different sources in a way that can be shared between departments. 
So I, I guess to sum up the, the biggest thing that, you know, that we find is data decisions are often made locally. And then when an organization looks to share data and aggregate it, they lack this kind of a framework. So this is often the first step, which is to think about an enterprise architecture, think about a common data model and how your disparate systems will be able to share data. That was a really great overview. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, that term enterprise architecture and what goes into that. And as I'm thinking about this framework that organizations can strive for, for their data, I'm kind of thinking back to that area of data privacy that we had touched on earlier. Um, so many hospitals and health systems today are dealing with massive data breaches. It feels like we see that in the news daily and it has significant consequences, not just for the organizations, but of course for patients too. So I'm wondering as organizations are building these enterprise architectures for their data systems, how can or how can they really ensure that the data is private and secure? Obviously, a top concern for for every organization that works with healthcare data. Actually, uh, the way you pose the question, I think, is a great way to think about the answer. When I mentioned enterprise architecture or framework, uh, we were talking about uh, functional things. How do I pull data together? How do I represent it? How do I use it? If we think about enterprise architecture frameworks from a security point of view, uh, in our view, this is really the only way to, to ensure that you're providing uh, proper security and privacy across all the data is to rather than look at it case by case, each data set or each tool is to actually have an overall architecture and, and a framework that you use to manage it. And there are existing uh, certifications that represent your ability to implement a framework like this. For example, at Medicasoft, we are iTrust certified. And what that means is not only do we have the tools, let's say, to encrypt data and to restrict access only to individuals who need it, but it, it uh, reflects itself into the processes that you use day in and day out as you build new systems, as you make updates to your systems that uh, set of processes and procedures is what you can really rely on that how, however your data evolves and however you may bring in new sources of data or create new use cases you're always doing it in a way that protects the security of the data and the privacy of access yeah thank you for sharing that really helpful as i know so many listeners who are tuning into this are privacy is top of mind for them right now. So I think that's a really helpful uh, reframe how you explained it. And so for an organization who's really looking to improve their approach to their data infrastructure, whether that's privacy and security or just the or just the structure of their data systems overall, I know that's it's quite a an issue to tackle. Um, it requires a lot of people and resources. So if you had to give hospitals and health systems, one piece of advice um, as to where they can start, what would you recommend for getting started on this very big, um, very big project? Right. So the first thing that, uh, that I usually recommend, and, and it's not meant to sound funny, but it, it is to actually start. 
um, for the reasons that you, you described there, it can be a big, big project. And it feels like you have to boil the entire ocean to get started. Um, what we found is that that can actually freeze an organization from making incremental progress. So the first thing that you want to do is to say, look, I am going to get started. Now, how do I do this in a way that doesn't create a security problem, for example, or that doesn't force me to make an investment and then the next step that I want to take, I throw away what I did and start over. Well, the way to do that is to actually decide on some of these framework type, enterprise architecture type uh, things as one of your first few steps. So let's decide on a data model for the organization. It's okay if all of your data is not in that data model day one, but it's something that with each step, you move more data to a common data model. It allows you to share that data and as incremental or accumulative uh, benefits, I should say, as you go forward. Decide early on what is your security framework so that as you make each decision in your incremental steps, you're doing that within uh, a holistic view of security that makes it uh, makes it harder for you to prevent leaving holes that that lead to breaches. So it, it, if I hope it doesn't sound contradictory, it's actually a complementary thing to say it can be a big issue when you look across your whole enterprise. How do I manage my data? Uh, but don't let the over, overall large scope stop you from getting started with incremental steps. Just the best advice that that we can give is make some of your first steps decisions on the broader framework or enterprise architecture things that will serve you well as you take each incremental step down the road. I think that's such great advice. It really is a big undertaking when you look at it from a zoomed out lens, but you're, you're right. Taking it a step at a time really is the best way to get started on something that big. So thank you for sharing that. You've given us so many great insights today, Mike. Is there anything else that you think we missed or anything that you'd like to share with our listeners today about being data-driven and taking that path forward? Well, the, the one other thing that I would say here is often an organization is mainly focused on what they can do with the data, what the outcomes are, what the results are, and that's entirely appropriate. Uh, a healthcare provider is interested in delivering care, for, for example. What we want to remind folks is people like myself, companies like Medicasoft, we are technologists. We you know, love to think about and, and work on the problems and issues that come with managing data. You don't have to become the technologist in order to make the kind of positive steps as an organization to improving your data. It's, it's just a reminder that if you make some investment there in improving the usability of your data, that is obvious, it sounds obvious, but it is the key to helping the rest of your business, whatever it may be, become actually and truly more data-driven. That's such a great way to end our discussion, Mike. I, I think it's an important reminder for everybody to know that to take on data challenges, you don't have to be an analyst, you don't have to be a technologist, as you mentioned. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate those insights and for you really outlining some some complex issues, but in 
simple and approachable ways. So thank you again um, for being here today, Mike. Thanks, I enjoyed talking with you. Great, well, we'd also like to thank our podcast sponsor today, Medica Soft. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.